Hello, my name is Brent Dundor. I identify as cisgendered and I use he, him, his pronouns. I'm a commercial photographer in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a fine artist and activist, and I'm also the proud producer of theythemproject.org. They Them Project interviews non-binary individuals, offering a platform for them to be seen and heard, while informing and educating everyone on how words and actions affect the trans plus community. Hello to everyone listening. This is a very special episode of the They Them Project. I'm in New York City, and I have the grand opportunity of speaking with Ellie Desatel and their fiancé, Ren Hallman. Um, How are both of you today? Doing pretty good. Doing good. It's pretty hot. Oh, yeah. Sweaty. It's Sweaty. what I, it, that's a thing in New York City, as I've noticed since I got off the airplane yesterday. Yes. <laughs> um, except restaurants. Restaurants are really cold. It yeah, usually. True. <laughs> yeah, that's why we've been eating out a lot recently. <laughs> we'll use that as the excuse. <laughs> um, Ellie, I believe it was back in May when I started to uh, when I was watching you play the role of Michael on NBC's show Rise. Mm -hmm. And I learned that you were only the second non-binary person ever to appear in a primetime series on network television. Yes. And I decided to just give it a try and message you about the project. And when I heard back from you saying that you were interested, I got really excited. So thanks for being here. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, While messaging back and forth, you explained that you were engaged. Yes. And that your partner accepts non-binary pronouns as well. Yes, I do. And um, I asked, and you asked if I liked the idea of both of you being here to be interviewed. And I explained that I've worked with other couples who are both uh, gender non-conforming as well. So I'm excited for that opportunity. Me too. Thank you both for being here, um, taking the time to talk with me and for traveling to me, which in New York City is a big deal, so I don't have to lug all this gear all around. Um, Ellie and Ren, even though we have chatted before I turned on this microphone, I always like to start out the recorded session by introducing myself so everyone listening can see how incredibly easy it is to not only share your own pronouns, but how that invites other people to be able to say their pronouns as well. Mm-hmm. So, hello, my name is Brent Dundor. I'm a photographer based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I produce the They Them Project. I identify as cisgendered, and I use he, him, his pronouns. Awesome. I'm Ellie Desitel, um, and I use they, them pronouns. I am a professional actor in New York City, but anywhere else, I would, <laughs> I don't care where I go, <laughs> um, as long as I'm acting. And uh, I'm also an activist for trans representation in the media. My name is Ren Hallman. I uh, most often recently use he, him pronouns. I also use they, them as well. I identify as non-binary. Um, I am a, an optician in Connecticut. I'm also a potter in New York. Oh yeah, and I identify as non-binary, genderqueer, trans, and agender flux. Okay. That's me. Thank you for sharing all of that with me. Yeah. Uh, to give you both and everyone else the background of the project, I started They Them Project a little over a year ago, and it was to challenge my own ignorance on gender, documenting my journey to better understand and embrace people who are gender non-conforming. And I now do the project in hope of educating everyone who listens and to offer a platform to non-binary individuals to be seen and heard and share their stories. I found it's important to remind everyone listening that the goal of the project is to reach people who might not have taken the time already to understand gender. And when it comes down to it, the only way the project can grow and inform is when people share it. 
So I always emphasize before each interview, please, even if you uh, are someone who has shared the project before, share it again, telling others why you listened to the interview, what you learned, and give other people a reason to listen as well. All right. Do either of you have questions for me before I start with the regular questions? Not a one. No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, Ellie, I messaged you a couple days ago asking for a short intro explaining who you both are. And you sent me something, but I thought about it. And I want to give both of you a chance to introduce yourselves um, as a couple, but also individually, if that's different than what you uh, gave as an intro before. Okay. Would you like to start? Sure. Yeah. So as a couple first. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Ellie. This is Ren. Hello. <laughs> You've been together for four years, I yes, hear. We've been together for four years. We met on Tumblr, um, talked for a little while, and until we then realized we grew up an hour apart in Connecticut. Yeah. We I did not know when we first. Yeah, started we didn't talking. know when where each other lived when we first started talking. We just mm-hmm. started talking, and then we were like, "Wait, we can actually go on a date." <laughs> <laughs> so then. After we met during like the end of school in 2014, and then we met like the like the first week of summer, like right after school ended for me, and um, yeah, that was our first date. We were pretty long distance for a little while. It wasn't too long. I drove about two hours to come visit you at school. A little while for three years. Yeah, for three years, Mm -hmm. I drove about two hours to come visit you at school. And I would sometimes try to take the train. Yep, and. You proposed in January. I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So this last January. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. even a year <clears throat> yet. Um, I'm starting to realize how old I'm starting to get. <laughs> actually, actually, my birthday was not yesterday, but the day before. Oh. And that birthday. makes me feel old. But also, I don't even know how someone would meet on Tumblr. Yeah. It was real. No, it, well, it was random. We, we didn't, like, we were, I wasn't looking for anybody. No, and we really can't remember how we ended up starting yeah. to talk either. I okay. don't know. I just saw his default picture and thought he was cute and I clicked on him and then I was like I'm gonna message him Mm -hmm. we weren't really looking for anything (laughs) no at all yeah until we met and then it was like oh my gosh (laughs) yeah on our first date we had gone to like an antique place and he went into the bathroom and when he was in the bathroom I texted my friend I was like this is the person I'm gonna marry (laughs) I, I just knew it I was like this is the last person that I'm ever dating ever that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah in New York Love in New York. Love in New Connecticut. York. That was a good was <laughs> Yeah, it's been New York and Love Connecticut. Love in Connecticut. But it's been between New York and Connecticut our, li- our whole lives mm-hmm. together. Our whole like, relationship. <laughs> uh, so what made you decide to do this project? Uh, do you have any specific hopes of doing it for either of you? Um, I, I mean, I was just super, I'm just so into having a platform, um, talking, being able to talk about important topics that I'm passionate about and that's why I wanted to do it um yeah I I, don't know what my hopes are I guess I I really want to talk about trans representation because that's on my mind mm -hmm. I think every day (laughs) you'll see I have a lot of questions so um Um, I uh I think that every trans experience is different so um like every single trans experience Mm -hmm. but we all have some similarities so that's why I try to post about my transition a lot um because I've started hormones. I'm a year on testosterone. Um, so I think other people can relate to that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, we're both artists. Um, I think there's a lot of artists within the trans community, the queer community in general. Um, so I like putting myself out there so that someone else can relate. 
to what I've been through too. Cool. That's exactly why I do this. Exactly. Do you want to talk about having EDS also? Yeah, I also have like a disability. I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, so I think there's just a lot of intersectionalities between queer identities and other things like disabilities and arts. So I think it's important to talk about all of that. Because, I mean, for me, I know a couple other trans people with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, a couple other trans people who are also potters, and it just gives me a sense of community to know that there are other people mm -hmm. like me that exist. Well, I know that people listening are going to ask what that is, what you're, yeah, yeah what is. So uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome is a connective tissue disorder. Um, I kind of like to explain it as the connective tissue holds all of your uh, muscles and your joints together. Um, so that connective tissue in a like normal able body is kind of like super glue, um, but it's different for us. Mine is more like like Elmer's craft glue, <laughs> so okay. it's not very strong. Um, some people experience a lot of dislocations and stuff. Uh, for me, a lot of the pain comes from my muscles working overtime to try to hold my joints together because that connective tissue just doesn't work right. Um, but there's also a lot of other things that come with it. Like personally, I get a lot of headaches. I've been having a lot of ear issues recently. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. It's okay. different for everybody. All right. Um, okay, so let's get started with the regular questions. Because cool. like I was saying, it's there, there's actually a lot, but I wanted, I wanted to, since I have you here, I'll ask everything I can. Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> the first question that I ask in every single interview is, would there ever be a time that you would be upset if someone asked you what pronouns you use? No. No. Mm, no. I can't Whenever think Whenever anybody asks me what my pronouns are, I'm like, ah, mm -hmm. thank you. I use they, them pronouns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it's, don't think It's ever. much easier to be asked than to, you know, if, if you're meeting people for the first time or you're about to, like, work with people and that you know they don't know your pronouns, it's, I find it's very hard for me um, as a person with anxiety also to have to, like, you know, think in my head, okay... I'm gonna have to tell them, my, hey, these are my these are the pronouns I use, and I don't know why I always get so anxious doing it. Not that I expect anybody to, like, be bothered by that, but I just don't want the questions. You know, I don't want people. Oh, what do you mean? Like, what does that mean? You know, yeah. and I, I always worry and think about that. Most of the time, it's never a problem. I'm like, I use these pronouns, and they usually I get a what. You had and an I go, experience like that I recently. I use they, them. I always, usually have to say it twice. Mm -hmm. I go, I, my pronouns are they, them. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if people got into a habit of asking more regularly, it would take a lot of pressure off of us to yeah. think that we're going to have to explain it. And it's also, it normalizes everything mm -hmm. for us. For everybody. Yeah. And like we did at the beginning, if someone is in a position where they can invite someone to give those pronouns, exactly. it makes a big, a, a big deal. And it, it's a... A huge uh, stress reliever. As yeah, exactly. it is. Yeah. Uh, how much responsibility do you think should be put on others to ask your pronouns or for you to tell others? That's tough. Because I, I think that it should be normalized that everybody should be including their pronouns. Um, that's something that's advocated for a lot on like Instagram. Um, people are trying to get cis people to... Um, put their pronouns like in their bios so that yeah. it normalizes the facts that we have our pronouns in mm -hmm. our bios. Uh, but I don't know if it's anyone's responsibility necessarily. I guess I think that it should just be 50-50. Yeah. It yeah. should be normal for me to say my pronouns and ask other people's pronouns, mm -hmm. just as it should be normal for anyone else to do the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, one person I 
interviewed recently, who uh, it's Jacob Tobiah. Mm-hmm. He used to be out here, but now he's in L.A. Yeah. Um, they were like, uh, you're just being a nice person by doing this. So there was he, they were saying that um, the word responsibility isn't, isn't really good to use. I always ask the question yeah. the same way to each person because people do have different responses. But I'm going to go yeah. with Jacob's answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So Ellie, you said that you use they, them pronouns. And yes. Ren, you were saying he, him, mm-hmm. and they, them. Um, are there any instances where you currently use other pronouns? No, I do not use she, her pronouns at all. Mm-mm. I'm never comfortable with that anymore. Me either. I think when I started, both when Ellie and I both started our transitions, we were kind of um, like pronoun indifferent, I guess. I started saying, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can use they or he, that would be fantastic. But I noticed that especially when I wasn't medically transitioning, I was just trying to socially transition. When I was giving people the option to use they or he, they only used she still. So I kind of made it like... Okay, you can actually only use he or they mm-hmm. because those are the only ones that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I stopped trying to, to make it comfortable for other people. Mm-hmm. So no, those are the only ones I use. Yeah. I, when I was, you know, in college and socially transitioning, I, I wanted everybody to use... I actually was using he and they um, just because I kept getting she... Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if no one's going to say they, then they can at least say he. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not she, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fine with me. Um, I did not mean to make that rhyme. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, with my family, I don't know why for so long in you know the beginning of my social transition. Um, it's funny, social transition is such a funny thing. It's like I'm mm-hmm. talking about it, that it's completed, I haven't heard of it but that, it's yeah. not. Yeah. I've, I'm never done socially transitioning like oh no especially being non-binary yeah i know because nobody Uh you know nobody Mm -hmm. knows my identity um if i have to come out i not come out if i have to disclose my transness then i i'm doing it all the time Mm -hmm. um but yeah so like towards the beginning of starting my social transition i can say um i was allowing my family to use she her um because it felt actually okay I felt a bit of social, I felt social dysphoria when like friends would say she, um, because like they knew, you know, they were supposed to kind of know and they were supposed to get it. And I was very lenient with my family because they've known me for so long and they've known me my whole life and been, have been using she, her for so long. And I noticed after a while, um, I just became uncomfortable with them calling me she and, um, I had to tell them, but I realized that I was allowing them to do it for, to to use she, her pronouns for me for so long, um, out of like convenience for them. Mm -hmm. And I, um, that's a very common, um, thing with that non-binary people deal with is like feeling like it's such an inconvenience to ask people to use they, them pronouns. Or any other non- Or any other pronoun that you- hadn't used you know they weren't using for you before mm-hmm. so do, um, do they use they them now you yeah awesome. yeah it was no problem it's not like you know I, there was going to be any issue i it was just me holding back and me being like oh it would just be an inconvenience for them but like you know it took a little while but my everybody uses they them pronouns for me like mm-hmm. all the time my siblings call me their sibling now and um it's, it's all good. Like, and I knew, I told my mom, and for some reason I was scared to 
tell my mom. I was like, okay. Because it was the whole convenience thing. Not for some reason. It was that. There's little things yeah. um, like what you just said when you said my siblings call me a sibling now. Yeah. A lot of people are going to be like, well, what? A- oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's important like in, in, this, in these interviews where I, I stop and I just mention. Yeah. What, like think about what that means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was... They, you know, my whole family was fantastic even before, you know, I asked them to use they, them pronouns for me. Like, I remember going to spend time with my sister in Boston and um, she just asked me, she was like, should I be calling you my sibling or my sister? And it was nice for her. To, it was just relieving for her to bring that up. At the time, I was okay with sister. Um, but yeah, but it was it was nice that she... Mm-hmm. asked mm-hmm. and that I didn't have to like say hey can you call me your sibling <laughs> like mm-hmm. or whatever um and I didn't have to bring that up and it was it's nice when other people you know are considering your feelings mm-hmm. about that and and noticing but, your you know the social changes that are happening elsewhere but like what you said the terminology is already there it's just using yep. it yep. yeah like yeah. my my siblings call me my sibling also right so it's from, a common word it's yeah. just from the other perspective, what people are going to want to say is brother or sister. Exactly. And um, they're going to say, well, what am I supposed to call you? I mean, that's what you're it's saying. There. But to actually put it that way, that's where people start to understand how easy it is mm-hmm. to yeah. make those changes. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so, Ellie, why were you wanting or why is it important to have Ren as part of this interview? Oh, man. Well, I've been wanting to do something with Ren for a long time. Um, something like this. Because it's important for people to see um, trans people in a relationship, in a healthy, supportive, happy relationship, and for other mm-hmm. trans people to see that that, mm-hmm. that that could be a future for them or a possibility for them, wherever they come from. And I notice where we live, where you know we're in New York, it's. I mean, I feel like all the trans people I know over here are so unapologetic and free and um to to be themselves and to be in relationships i don't really think i've met anybody who feels like you know they're being held back Mm -hmm. to be in a healthy relationship but there could be other trans people in other parts of the country that don't get to see you know a happy healthy future for themselves so i think it's important that ren and i are seen together and get to talk about important things and what the relationship is like and we've also been on a non-binary journey kind of together yeah we've discovered that's our... how we figured out we were trans we figured out our have you been together. interviewed together before no no okay yeah you seem like you're gonna feed off of each other so yeah <laughs> uh, we tried I mean, to i definitely feed off over in <laughs> um so to both of you and well no you haven't really answered this yet but to both of you I wanted to ask a really general question and a lot of these general questions I know don't have actually simple answers Mm -hmm. but I'm going to ask them as other people might be thinking about it Mm -hmm. like what is it like being in a gender non-conforming relationship (laughs) does that make any sense yeah it does it's um, no different the only difference that I've really noticed um, from you know a societal difference is that since I've started a medical transition Um, I've been on testosterone, like I said, for about a year. So I'm seen by the general public as male and Ellie is often read as female. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the only like 
constraint on our relationship and that from that perspective is that we're not seen as a gender non-conforming couple mm-hmm. we're not even seen as a queer couple often mm-hmm. um, unless i'm wearing a shirt that says queer on it yeah. like, you know <laughs> which we have quite a few <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah otherwise it's normal we do everything that everyone else does i think the only difference from you know like a non gender non-conforming relationship and ours i mean we when you know we figured out that we were trans like together we you know i I think ren kind of introduced the whole thing to me i knew about trans people and but i didn't know about i didn't know that you could be Mm non-binary i didn't know that there was that term to use as your identity and i think ren kind of brought that up um and from then on, I was, you know, then I, I was like, oh my gosh, well, I, that's, that sounds a lot like me. Mm-hmm. That makes mm-hmm. so much sense. It clears so many things up about myself and about my past and whatever. Yeah. And what's, so what's been different, I think what's different about our relationship is that we've, we have never been scared to be ourselves. We've never been scared to be trans. We've never been, we've never worried about, you know, the future of you know of our relationship and the future of us I you know individuals as being trans I've never worried about that because I had Ren to lean on we had each other to mm-hmm. lean on all the time and it's it was we have safety in the relationship to mm-hmm. express ourselves freely and and yeah and even though we're both non-binary we also both have much different experiences yeah um in every way so mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to build off of each other and to like um uh to learn from each other yeah um i so ren you said that you use him as pronouns and they them pronouns mm-hmm. uh but uh, ellie i've heard you use he him as pronouns for ren throughout the interview so far yeah i do so i think people listening might wonder is there a time when one is right or wrong or is it always either no it's always either there are sometimes i do catch myself calling Ren he him like all the time I think I've just kind of like gotten in that rhythm of doing that but there will be times that you know if it's I don't know if I think about it I'll I'll then use both even in the same sentence you know but for you Ren there's never a it really doesn't matter to me um I mean that's definitely different for everybody but I think especially since I started medically transitioning I just for some reason got more comfortable with he him pronouns um, so like everybody at work and just in my daily life uses them for me and I just don't have an issue with them If I ever wanted to hear different pronouns, I could just ask Ellie to do that though. Right, right When I was first starting the project out, I was asking questions like oh, but so You said two pronouns. Which one should I use? Like what <laughs> mm-hmm. do it like and I was really serious about it Like I and, and most people are when they hear two sets of pronouns. They're like Okay, but I don't want to offend you. I'm trying not to offend you. <laughs> um, but the the point of the, the story is that if someone gives two sets of pronouns or any set of pronouns, you can use any set unless they tell you otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Or use them interchangeably, yeah. which sometimes I'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Ellie, I've heard you say that you feel masculinity and femininity don't actually need to be gendered. And I find that concept really interesting because when speaking with people through this project, um, I've learned and recognized that those words can be challenging to Mm -hmm. non-binary people. Yeah. So 
if we know that someone is gender nonconforming, but um, I say in like in quotes that they have well, or they say that they have masculine characteristics. It's like we're saying that they are something and they're not something else, and that puts people into a box. And yeah. what I've learned from the project is that that's not a good thing. But it seems with your concept of it all that these are just descriptive words, mm-hmm. and that we can use them for anyone and everyone. So yeah, I want to hear what any more that you have to say about that. Sure. Um... I think you're talking about my now this interview. I think so. <laughs> yeah, which they and they didn't include. Um, I I don't know, not for any reason, but I also had mentioned that I feel like masculine masculinity and femininity are energies. I don't really feel like they are. Yeah, that's and that's why I don't see them as gendered. You know, I mean, obviously they're not gendered for me when I'm masculine. That's that's not gendered because I'm always non-binary. I feel like I I figured out that femininity and masculinity are not gendered through listening to Prince. Um, When I was in college, I did some drag shows um, and I was a drag king. Um, But I, and I used him as my gender expression and I tried, you know, he was kind of like uh, a way for me to experiment um, the expression of my gender. And I did a Prince song and when I was rehearsing it and everything and listening to the way he sings and also just knowing who he is and seeing pictures of him and and videos of him and he's so he's very genderless I feel and what I felt from performing his songs I felt masculine and feminine but in very different ways so this is and this is the that was the first time I ever um got into drag but feminized it I was wearing like glitter all over the place and I did my my eyes you know feminized that's like in quotes mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it doesn't really mean anything but <laughs> no they're just descriptive yeah. words yeah exactly. they're just descriptors <laughs> so I really feminized my makeup for auto and I felt so masculine doing that and that's when I figured out that masculinity can be feminine and femininity can be masculine mm-hmm. um and they're just it's then that's why I consider them energies. And I guess it's probably through performing it too is, you know, I felt these energies and figuring out my gender identity, you know, a gender flux means that, you know, I am at my core, I'm at my core a gender. Um, I don't feel like any gender at all, but I still have these connections to my masculinity and femininity. And I had to really figure out what that, what that meant. And that's how I figured it out. I, you know, that's how I see it now. They're, they're energies. It's mm-hmm. not. In that interview that, yeah. that we were referencing, I mean, you, 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 you said that it was a spectrum, but you, 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 through gestures, described it as a line, like that there's a spectrum in this line. Mm-hmm. But then you actually said that you're, you're in a different place from yeah. that line. A, it really <laughs> and is. You use, a like triangle. a triangle. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't seen it that way either. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's an interesting concept because when I was first exploring my gender, I described it as a line and then I was in the middle of man and woman. And because uh-huh. that's all that I thought yeah. that non-binary was. Yeah. But, like, I identify as agender also, so that line just doesn't even exist to me anymore. No, I mean, yeah, you can't... I, I used to think that I was in the middle of it too, but that doesn't make sense because no. I'm not in the middle of man and woman. I'm sort of in the middle of masculinity and femininity and then I go. drift from side to side. But, you know, 
thinking of gender as a spectrum, you, you see a line and you see a middle. And what does the middle mean? Like to, to me, if I saw the middle, I would think by gender. I would think you're both mm-hmm. or gender fluid. Mm-hmm. But what, where, where do you fit on that spectrum if you don't have a gender? Mm-hmm. So it turns into that triangle where you can be here at the bottom of the triangle being completely genderless, but you can also drift upwards that yeah. little slant or the other way. Yeah, everywhere yeah. in between. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're willing, I uh, want you to give me more detail about your gender journey, as I call it. So uh, tell me about maybe when you were younger and, or when you first started thinking about gender. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I kind of have a long story. So Would I you like me you, to start? Why don't you start because <laughs> I'll probably ramble and maybe if you go, I'll, I'll be able to make it concise. Um, the first time that... I can really recall um, feeling like my gender was maybe different than the one I was assigned at birth was in high school. I would say maybe 11th or 12th grade. Um, I had already figured out that my sexuality uh, was definitely different, Um, but something else just didn't feel right. Um, I actually learned about top surgery first, um, which for Anyone that is born with a chest, that means to have that chest removed, remodeled, however you want to put it. So I actually learned about that first. But when I was in high school, there was not a lot of info online um, about non-binary identities. So I thought that top surgery was only for trans men. And I did not feel like a man. Um, It felt like a lot more work to, like go through all of those other steps, like going on um, testosterone and stuff at that time in my life. So I kind of pushed those feelings away. Um, I went into my first few years of college and I kind of met a few other people that felt the same way, um, but were actually in the same boat as me. Like we felt kind of in between and we didn't know what to do with it. So I I spent just a few years um, like really in between and confused. And it was actually when Ellie and I um, started dating in spring of 2014 that uh, I kind of started to dive back into that. I was on Tumblr a lot, so I was actually introduced to non-binary identities and um, the idea that anybody can uh, make their body different in some way. Like, I found a lot of uh, people who identified as female who got top surgery. So I kind of realized that I don't have to identify any certain way to change my body, however it would make me feel most comfortable. Um, But through all of that, I came uh, to terms with the terms that (laughs) made me feel most comfortable. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that's my story. Yeah. And you said that Ren Ren helped you uh, understand being non-binary? Ren introduced the whole thing to me. Uh-huh. Um, we both kind of learned it together, um, learned to understand non-binary terms and what that is and what that means. And um, yeah, but it was Ren who kind of brought that out of me. Because I, I would was... say it's always been, you know, I've al- I've always been non-binary. Mm-hmm. I was talking about it. Yeah, we lot. were talking about it a lot, and um, I can't even recall like really when we were talking about I can't even like think of a the first time like we talked about it it's just very you know it was like our entire relationship we had been talking about it learning about it and 
Do you still talk about it? I I think that's a good question. Yeah. Actually. Oh, I do. Uh-huh. I do. I, I don't very much. I but don't. Ellie talks about trans representation in the media, well, so no, we talk I mean, about that a lot. I talk about my identity and, and you, the yeah. way that I feel. I you know it it's so yeah. I'm agender flux, and that flux, you know, is means fluctuation. Every and day. And <laughs> there are not every day, but you know, after a while, just recently, I you know started getting panicky and and felt uncomfortable with the fact that I've been I had been presenting so you know and presenting masculine and you know whatever that means to other people um but yeah no to me I I was just wearing like all masculine you know male clothing and uh that's also in quotes (laughs) (laughs) male clothing and I just felt very I was like why am I ignoring my femininity I've like kept pushing it away and I just recently realized I have been I guess pushing myself to present masculine so that I can be trans enough Mm -hmm. I kind of feel a pressure from Mm -hmm. not the trans community but just from society at large that you know if I if I don't you know if I present feminine does that make me not trans and obviously no that does that's not what that means right. I'm, I'm always trans i'm always non-binary um but yeah so what I, I was i bring that up sometimes mm-hmm. so sometimes i just get into a weird funk and i'm like oh my god i've been neglecting my femininity again and i it just keeps happening throughout the years i, With... I notice i kind of float over to the masculine side a little bit more than i want than i really want to with um, someone like Jacob Tobiah, when I was interviewing them, one of my questions was, the, like, do you ever not want to wear a dress? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And their personality is so big, but so is their style. Mm-hmm. And basically what Jacob said was, uh, there's, there's plenty of days that they go out to a coffee shop and they're not, dre- not going to put on those clothes. And um, yeah. basically, like, it is a challenge to not have to do something for other people so they understand yeah. who and what you are yeah. in, in that perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I can talk about my gender journey. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I. Can you? <laughs> yes. So in, I, I would say in 2014 is when I realized I was trans. Um, and I say I would say because I did realize... I almost realized I was trans in high school. Um, I watched a show called Degrassi, and there was a trans boy character in the show named Adam. And when they finally, they like finally had an episode like all about him, and I was excited. I did, you know, I at that point I didn't know yet. I still, I was just like ready to watch and. Um, in the beginning of the episode, you know, he's told to lay low and not tell anybody. And you don't really know what they're talking about yet. But, you know, they're talking about him being trans. Like, his mom is telling him, like, just lay low, don't tell anybody. And so, right in the beginning of the episode, he's told to hide it. And then, throughout the episode, it gets, you know, he faces it. You know, people, someone realizes that he's trans, as in, you know, he has breasts um that he's binding and then like the entire school kind of finds out and 
he's met with a lot of harassment and even some violence in like the boys bathroom and it was a good representation of a trans person for that time um, because it started much needed conversations um and they had even partnered up with like the trevor project like so in the end they were like if you're feeling this way this kind of way like call this number or something um and after i watched the episode i was it was 2015 no 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 it was 2015 (laughs) it was 2010 and i was 15 um so after watching that i was like I don't know why. I I just really connected with him, with the character, but I didn't know why. They did say the word transgender, but because I, I I don't know, I just started really, I was like, well, I've always been a tomboy, you know, I prefer mask, you know, quote unquote, boy things. And, um, you know, I even thought about the time I dressed up as a boy, just a generic boy for Halloween in eighth grade. Um, in third grade, I asked for a haircut like a boy. Um, and so I just was thinking about all this, all of this and I was like, uh, I'm a boy, but what does that mean? That like what was given to me in that episode was not enough information for me to figure out what all this meant and what I was feeling. And I was also scared because he wasn't able to be himself and be happy he had to hide it he he faced harassment he went through all this stuff and not that i thought i was going to face that but it just was they presented it as a scary thing to be and so i pushed it in i pushed it away and i was like oh no i'm just i'm just like assimilating i'm just deeply empathizing with him i'm not him i'm, I'm me like it's fine just stop thinking about it i had brought it up to my mom too mm-hmm. um she obviously didn't have the vocabulary to ask me further and and try to help me figure out what I was feeling. I said, mom, I think I'm a boy. And she was like, well, do you like girls? (laughs) And obviously that's not what makes you a boy. Your sexuality is different than your gender. Um, But yeah, so anyway, I pushed it away and didn't think about it again. Um, And I didn't realize what was happening. I never was able to identify that I was figuring out that I was trans. Mm -hmm. Um. I didn't figure, I didn't realize that that was what was happening to me until just last summer when I was talking to Jason Kadams about my character on Rise. Um, he was just asking me about my life and it, about me being trans and about my experience being trans and about, you know, whatever, my family. And I had recalled this time in high school. I was like, oh, maybe that's important to tell him. And then I was talking to my mom about it and I was like, I think I'm going to tell him about this. And we just were talking and talking about it. And I had an epiphany. I was like, oh my God. Imagine if that character had been a good, you know, had been a happy, positive representation of a trans person. I would have realized I was trans in high school. That's okay. crazy. Mm-hmm. So it just like blew my mind because I was like, oh my God. I've really always been trans. <laughs> like, and it just kind of completed the puzzle in my head about myself not that there was one but it and not that I knew there was a puzzle but suddenly there was a puzzle and it was complete <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and then my relationship with Ren is really what it was the safe place to to um, figure myself out figure out my gender expression and I experimented like all over the place I 
you know, but I was, I've always been me. Um, we were able to, you know, experiment with like terms and like, Hey, can you maybe like call me like a boy today? Mm -hmm. Can you call me like dude or my boyfriend today? And like, maybe I'll see how that feels. And that's really what's been, what I mean by the safe space is that we're just able to kind of try out different words and terms and phrases to see what fit us. It's a great relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because sure. of what you were just talking about with your um, discovery of your own gender and yeah. the fact that you are talking about how a, a television character was a huge part of how you came to realize yourself and then also um, what you've talked about being on television. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll go to those questions. Sure. Um, oh, I just wanted to go ahead. maybe clarify um it wasn't just like it wasn't like talking about michael is what made me realize i was trans it was just like that's when i realized i have i had been trans since high school but didn't know it right so at that point i i was i knew i was trans when i was talking to jason about my identity i had i had we knew i had been in a relationship with ren for a while at that point so and like knew i, I was using they them pronouns and i was non-binary yet um but that's that was the moment that that it clicked for me that oh I actually mm-hmm. had an experience in high school that I realized. What's What's important is to understand how important what television can actually do yes. oh for people God, yeah. who are who are young or old mm-hmm. and trying to understand themselves. Yes. Um, so in in other videos, I've heard you speak about normalizing trans people mm-hmm. and how we can do how you how we can do that through television. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that, because I think it's incredibly important. I mean, you just gave your story yeah. to tell how important that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anything else you want to say on that sure. subject? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, clearly the representation in Degrassi, like, directly altered the course of my life. Because if, you know, it, it was a, a representation that showed me that it was a scary thing to be trans. And... If it had been a representation that showed it can be a good thing to be trans, it can be a happy thing to be trans, it, you can have a, a good experience of being trans. If it had been that, I would have realized it a lot sooner. But because it wasn't that, it pushed it away. It pushed my transness back in um, because it was scary. So, yeah, I think that it's not really thought enough about in production the effect that a trans character is going to have on somebody and um and also how it's people... going to drastically change their life because what would have happened i i there was a whole person that i didn't get to know you know um but like a character like michael yes what you're doing is normalizing it to people who aren't trans or non-binary as well exactly yeah and that's that's amazing yeah i find <laughs> it's it's pretty cool that I mean, TV had television or characters or stories had such an effect on you. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I saw you speak about that in another interview, I mean, I was thinking that you now as an actor, you feel that responsibility, but it's actually a core part of what made you through your journey. Exactly. I know it was so crazy that I, you know, I, I had become already very passionate about trans representation um, and, you know, doing it right and making sure it's authentic and genuine um, before I even realized it really affected me. 
you know, before I could recall that time in high school. Um, so it's kind of crazy how it all came full circle that, you know, I'm very, very passionate about this topic, but I had never, I had never realized in all that time of, you know, research in school and, and, you know, um, learning all about trans representation that I was directly affected by trans representation. It was kind of crazy to, and for that epiphany to happen because I was like, oh my gosh, it's so funny that, like, this is my life. And it's so interesting to see all the different people um, that reach out to you. You have, uh, most of your followers are cis, not trans. Mm -hmm. And so you get a lot of cis people reaching out, asking um, questions or just saying like, thank you for the representation. Thank you for teaching me things. You have a lot of um, cis parents that have reached out to you. And they have cis, like cis siblings of trans people yeah, and being cis like friends. Oh my, and cis friends saying like oh my gosh you when i told my mm-hmm. trans my non-binary friend that you were in the show they cried like oh my god and then you have it's been crazy then you have trans people you have someone who said that they named themselves michael because they felt so connected to mm-hmm. michael yeah yeah it was really it's beautiful cool. yeah um again to like I, yeah. to, to, to pause on like what you're saying so the idea that cis siblings are saying that they recognize you on the TV show. What that does is when they're talking to their friends and they say, so do you have a brother or sister? They say, well, they're non-binary. Just, uh, well, I guess on, on on Rise, you were a trans male, yeah. right? Yeah. Technically a binary character. Yeah. 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 But it was still great for people to right. see a non-binary actor yes. on TV. And right. A non-binary person in real life doing, you know, being successful in in film to be able to to say just like on you've seen that show it exists that's mm-hmm. where it is you do, like you've seen the show you right. know it exists yeah. we don't have to question this mm-hmm. you know yeah that was what i think it was so important about michael is the way that he was introduced um and i think that a lot of the time when a trans character it was beautiful in the past have been introduced it's like you they're being introduced along with their struggles and their pain and and them, they're them having to advocate for themselves, um, and so then it's a lot. It's really hard for people to connect to a character like that, if especially if you're not trans. Like I don't know what this person's going through. I've never felt what this person is, what this character's feeling. Mm-hmm. But with Michael, he brought you know Michael was introduced as Michael, just as himself. He was introduced. He as was a, introduced one of the best singers as, in the school as, as a singer before he was introduced as a yeah. trans person. Yeah, and it shows that there's way more to him than there than just being trans. And also, you know, he goes into the theater department and he's like, I'm Michael. And he introduces himself as Michael for the first time and everyone's like, cool. So it's like, it's what's, I, I've always felt, um, I've always felt that that is, is what makes hit the character so powerful and so important in this time right now because you don't pity him and you also, anybody can relate to him because he's not like going through these through difficult it's not all about his transition that's Mm -hmm. that's the important thing it's not Mm -hmm. all about him being trans it's not all about what he's feeling as a trans person it's not all about you know not being accepted for him for who he is we've kind of that was all blown away or pushed to the side and brought back in a couple more episodes when he you know um experiences transphobic peers Mm -hmm. um but at that point you already like him you already relate to him you already know who he is as a person so then when you get to that point where he's facing transphobia then it helps people understand like wait that's really not okay because i like this person i like this character yeah that's not okay i don't like seeing that 
And then they could maybe think, I've done that in the past. I don't want to do that to people that I like, mm-hmm. you know, to people that I relate to and can relate to. Yeah. And like you were saying about Degrassi and time periods, at that time, being trans wasn't even like, it wasn't a household thing. Nobody was really talking about it. Yeah. So that sparked the conversation. Yeah. So that character, uh, it brought um, about a lot of terms. It made people aware of terminology yeah. Yeah. but at this point we've already seen so many different trans characters and trans stories it's Transition time to have stories it's time to have characters like michael where they are they have trans experience they're not trans people right they're, they're not, not just, just trans people they're not just transgender plot lines yeah they're they people are, and they come along with a yeah trans experience yeah yeah they're interesting characters with you know multi the multifaceted, multifaceted. life and they happen to be trans. Like, mm-hmm. that's what's important. And I think that's what we need to see a little bit more of. And I want to see a little more, a bit more characters who are trans and we don't talk about that. You just, in the beginning of the, the maybe the first episode, you are introduced to this character and people are using they, them pronouns for mm-hmm. them and it's never talked about. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yeah. So that it's just normal. Which that's is... what's important. That's the normalization thing you were talking about and asking about, asking of me. You said it. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but I wanted to circle back to that yeah yeah that's that's where we need to go Um, so i do have a couple more questions about acting so i want to get to those here sure um and this is kind of a branch off it's 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 a different concept but um so it's been it's been a big thing in the news with scarlett johansson Mm -hmm. um (laughs) who would be playing a role of a trans man uh in a future movie and i want to talk about that a bit Mm -hmm. but I'd really like to emphasize the fact that now she gave up that part yes. mm-hmm. because of the conversation that was happening regarding if she should be the person playing that role. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. You want to give your thoughts on that? And I'll start. I'll, I'll go. Uh, nope. I would like you to start. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, all right. So, well, when I was a senior um, in college, my... Um, I had to do a senior thesis paper, and that was all about trans representation in film, TV, and theater. And the most heated part of my essay was talking about cis actors playing trans characters. And I've got I got a lot of resources. I looked at what cis actors are saying about this. A lot of cis actors saying like, "Oh, it shouldn't matter. I should go to the best person for the part." And somebody who 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 can play it uh, that it doesn't matter. And it really bugged me because I saw a few actors that I like, like um, Natasha Leone, and hopefully that maybe hopefully maybe her mind has been changed on the topic. But at the time that I was writing the paper, that's what she had said. She said that it shouldn't matter, um, and it was the- so frustrating because it's just like the topic came up, and I don't feel like the right people were there to to give the proper information about why um, cis actors should not play trans characters right now. Um, and maybe right now is a is an interest. I want to yeah, ask what that means. I know. So I'm really torn on this because because of this, you know, all the Scarlett Johansson stuff, I, you know, a lot of trans people have been, have had great platforms to be able to say their thoughts on it. And a lot of trans actors, I think Laverne Cox has said it, um, Elliot Fletcher has also said it, that they said it's not that, cis actors can't play trans characters it's just that um that it comes with consequences um i agree with that 
Um, but I don't quite know where I stand on it's hard. Tr- cis actors playing trans characters. Because I, right now, see, my mind could change in the future if I you know, have the right information. But right now, I feel that cis actors should never play trans characters. Mm-hmm. Because it's just detrimental um, when you see a cis man playing a trans woman you're seeing a man playing a man dressing up as a woman you don't even think of trans women you just look at it as as a as dress up and then at the end of the day that actor is a man (laughs) you see jared leto on stage winning an oscar in a full beard um not that trans women can't have beards but you know (laughs) for right now and for for uh, society right now needing to learn about trans people and needing to see authentic authenticity um, the authenticity of trans people it's inauthentic if you have a cis person playing a trans character that's inauthentic already because trans actors come with the experience come with trans experience you know when people say oh it's just acting it's just acting it's playing a part that's what an actor is supposed to do they wrote there's a difference between playing a car salesperson when you've never actually been one and playing a transgender person. That is, there's a difference between playing a role and playing an identity, mm-hmm. particularly a marginalized one. That's a quote from mm-hmm. an article in The Independent. That Go was, find it. But <laughs> that was verbatim, I think. So to be honest, uh, I, my, I, we're here. I'm, I'm here in New York. I'm not usually here in New York. I'm here uh, with my cousin. We're we're doing this interview in there in his <laughs> in his apartment, and um, we he's an actor, and we we've, we've actually been talking about this all morning. Um, yeah. And where I'm at with it, just to make it really simple, mm-hmm. is where people have the power of giving those roles. They should be the ones responsible, mm-hmm. and yeah. that that they should really be looking to trans people first. Exactly. And. The thing that I've learned from this project, and this I don't want this to go off topic, but is people in power, people with privilege should give privilege and power to people that need it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And especially with a character like Scarlett Johansson's, uh, like Dante in Robin Tug, um, Scarlett Johansson probably didn't have an audition. She yeah. was probably just chosen for that. Well, part. and she's also producing it. So a trans person mm. didn't even get... A time to get into the room to show themselves, yeah. which is the main issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the biggest issue that I have with this with trans representation is that trans people don't play cis characters very often. Trans people aren't brought into the audition room to play a cis character, and sometimes they're not even brought into the audition room to play a trans character. So, what can trans people do? Mm-hmm. Like, they can't even play their own identity, apparently. Yeah, that's where I was going to get to. Jamie Clayton. Jamie Clayton. I was trying she, to think of her name. Yeah, that's what she said. She said, well, we're, you know, you can't play a trans character until we get into the audition rooms that you're going for. For mm-hmm. cis parts. I mean, like, for cis parts. Why even as a cis character? You mm-hmm. know, it's just a character mm-hmm. that identifies as a woman or a man or whatever, you know. So to, to challenge this concept, I'll ask a question that people... Um, Possibly who it, it involves ignorance to ask this question, but if trans characters should only play be played by trans people What does it mean for trans people playing non-trans characters? Yeah Well non-trans characters are not marginalized in the same way that trans folks are yeah, so It's like kind of what you were saying before mm-hmm. you see Jared Leto playing a trans playing a woman and then you see him as himself as a man 
Whereas when a trans woman plays a woman, she leaves and she is still a woman. Yes. A trans woman is a woman of trans experience. Yes. Whereas a man playing a trans woman is just a man pretending to be a woman. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, and I think it's important that trans actors play cis characters because of that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's exactly what you said. A trans woman is a woman with trans experience. Mm-hmm. Is a woman. Mm-hmm. The trans woman is a mm-hmm. woman. She can play any character that identifies as a woman. Mm-hmm. And the, if the story is not about being trans, then that's fine. That's good. Because if because you... we are not just trans. And I think that, uh, yep. uh, when people ask that question, they're thinking, "Well, you can't be us." But like exactly. cis people aren't marginalized, yeah. and there's no you're not you know trans people are not making it harder for cis people mm-hmm. when they're playing a cis it's not detrimental unquote, to the cisgender community right. for a trans person to represent them because a trans woman is still a woman yeah and i think uh going back and to to really give power to the idea of normalizing transness mm-hmm. that's where it actually starts to change because if it can actually become normalized then sooner or later it's not going to be a question. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. This wouldn't even be an argument if it was just normal. Yeah. If trans people got into audition rooms, if they were given opportunities yeah. just like everyone if else. If society was seeing them on TV as normal people, not just trans stories, not just a, you know, we're not just plot lines. Yeah. I think it was Jamie Clayton who also mentioned that she doesn't identify herself as a trans actor. She identifies as an actress. An actress. As an actress with trans experience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to generalize these, this, this yes. like half page of questions I have. Sure. So when I, when I started this project, um, I was trying to record the information so that people could hear these questions, hear the answers and educate themselves mm-hmm. in the same way that I was. Um, and through that process, I started to understand what privilege meant. And I mean, I can get emotional mm-hmm. talking about how much that means to me because I feel like I've had two or three lifetimes of understanding of privilege just by doing this project yeah. and I mean there's so much more I can learn uh, but in that process I understood the concept of trans people also telling their own stories not just acting them out yeah. and I started to question myself should I be doing this project mm-hmm. and I, I was literally going to close it up and not do it because of how much I believed in that. And I started asking people in the project what they felt about that. Mm-hmm. And before I tell you what people said, mm-hmm. I want you just to speak on that. And maybe it's not about me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll make it about you. Okay. <laughs> I, I even thought about that too. Uh-huh. And actually, the, if you don't mind me saying this, one of the first yeah. questions Ryan had for was, it. is he trans? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I said no. And we maybe yeah. had a hesitation and then talked about it. And I was like, but it's important. And I read, you know, what you say. Like, I'm, I'm interested in understanding my privilege and um, knowing that I am not a minority. I mean, this is not like verbatim what you said, but this is what I understand from what you're saying is you are not part of a minority like the trans community. And so you, you need... You want a better understanding, and I mean, I think through doing the project, that's. I think you're using your cis privilege for for good. Yeah, and, and giving 
also voice because mm-hmm. that's important. And it's not that I felt hesitation. It's yeah. that it's asking, valid that you did. And that's yeah. what I want people. The reason I talk about this still is it's it's important for cis people mm-hmm. um, or non-trans people to really understand that concept. Mm-hmm. But go ahead with what you're saying. It's not it's not that I felt hesitation about um, like a cis person doing this kind of interviewing. It's that um, when you hear that cis people are going to be asking you all the questions, it's nerve-wracking to think about what kind of questions they're huh. going to ask yeah. and yeah. how those questions will be worded. And before that was a fear before listening to any of yeah. any of the work you've done. So, um, no, your questions have been very... Um, I mean, obviously, at this point, of course, you're educated enough to ask really... Um, like thought-provoking questions and things that other people think about, but in a really yeah. polite and appropriate way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It and is nice that you have worded some questions that might be rooted in ignorance, but knowing that you are not, you know, coming from an ignorant place, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's it's easy to answer those questions for people who might ask it mm-hmm. through ignorance and might ask it in the wrong way and people who exactly. are scared to ask questions because a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to. I don't want the trans trans people to get mad when I ask them questions. And you know, I I say you know the only the only reason trans people might get mad about you asking questions is like they're they might have been asked like that question Six five times, times that, that day, day yeah. and they don't want to explain themselves again. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a really important thing to note. Also, it's not personal um, when a trans person gets upset or flustered or frustrated when when asked. Mm-hmm. a quote-unquote inappropriate or and that's awkward ignorant question and we've talked about that a lot about El- how ellie has a platform now so ellie gets a lot of questions yeah um but it's not ellie has taken on this role of yeah. an informative trans yeah. person so these questions ellie gets asked questions that just everyday trans people if you meet a trans person you shouldn't just go into asking them all these questions yeah. right away. Yeah. Right. That's they, what I was going to say is they, like yeah. the people should, I mean, I think through listening to all the interviews, it's pretty easy to understand, but mm-hmm. the questions that I ask here are not questions you go up to exactly the uh, trans expert because or, they're trans yeah, and that they're trans there to barista. help you. Yeah, just going to say barista. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think, it, yeah, what I think is important is, you know, when people ask me questions, you know, cis people ask me questions that might be, you know, rooted in ignorance, so they might ask it the wrong way, but um, I'll answer them politely, and they'll be like, thank you so much. Like, mm-hmm. anytime I've ever asked any other trans people, they get mad, so thank you for not getting mad. And I, I use that as an opportunity to say, well, listen, I have, prov- I have um, invited this into my life. I have made myself a beacon of information because I have this platform and because I have the patience for this and I also want to educate the reason other people get mad is because of this you know they might have been asked that five times that day so like you know I I try to tell people and when they say oh well they always get mad and I go well this is why and just know that you know your trans friends are not your encyclopedia (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like for instance when I'm working especially uh, earlier in my um, medical transition people would ask me if my name was given to me or if I chose it which, I don't know. I before medically transitioning, I was never asked that question. So, you know, there's a fine line between asking someone who is inviting those questions mm-hmm. in, and just asking anybody you meet. Yeah. Um, 
to, to be really honest, and we can go into it based on the fact that you're talking about this, but yes. there's, there's a whole <laughs> half a page of questions that I was going to ask about names. Yeah. So why don't I just say, uh, it's talk about anything that you feel sure. should be talked about based on the concept you are bringing up here. Sure. So, I mean, relating to the concept of names, um, there's a lot of, uh, people have a lot of questions about names, which is... I, I will say that yeah. when, so when I started this project out, the first person that I had come to my studio was someone who I had known. Um, I wasn't their, their, I wasn't like a real friend with them, but I had known them and met them before. And when I started the interview, I asked them to introduce themselves and they gave a different name. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm telling, saying all of this is, again, for people that are listening to this for the first time trying to understand gender and how important a name is, mm-hmm. my reaction to them giving me a different name was, what's, I literally was like, What's going on? What do you, why are you saying that name right now? Mm-hmm. I hadn't interacted with them for at least a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And when they said that name, I was like, why, why did you say that? <laughs> like, and now uh, through the interviews, I realize how important yes. understanding what a name means. Yes. And how disrespectful a question like what you were referring to could be. Exactly. Or like when people find out like that, oh, like I chose the name. If someone ever said like, oh, I chose the name and people... Oh, like oh, what was your name before? Oh, well, people have asked mm-hmm. me that too. Like, oh, is Ellie like your mm-hmm. given name, or did you pick it? Or mm-hmm. it's a really yeah. interesting question. I think it's because part of it's maybe because it's not as it doesn't seem to other people to be as invasive as other questions. Like someone doesn't feel like a name question is as is as invasive as asking someone about their genitals. But to me, uh-huh, uh-huh. it feels almost the same. Okay. It still feels as disrespectful. Yeah, because. That name that I used to have no longer represents me. It doesn't represent me now. It doesn't represent my childhood. It doesn't represent any part yeah, of my life. It doesn't represent your past. And yeah. that's why I changed it. Yeah. So if something changes something about themselves, I think it's usually safe to assume they did it for a reason and they don't want to revisit what they've changed. Yeah. Well, here's a question I haven't asked before. If, if someone is part of the queer, or let's even just say trans community, yeah. does it, is there less effect if someone asks you about that? No. 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 If any other trans person asked me my say, birth name, I would say, I would say, I'm not giving it to you. Also, why are you asking me that? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it would, would be, be okay if someone asked me. It that? would be almost more disrespectful if a trans person asked me for my birth name because I think that it's just a generally known yeah. concept yeah. that you that's not a question, question to ask. And I've had people. Um, I've never had a trans person ask me that, but I I don't think. But mm-hmm. I have had. Um, mm-hmm cisgender people ask and people get really invested i've had people try to guess they mm. say like people have said well if i try to guess will you tell me if i'm right and i oh go gosh. no <laughs> and they do it anyway <laughs> and it just it makes me so uncomfortable because then i get that little feeling of what if they say it what if they say it and i like flinch and then that gives it away and yeah. the reason that and I don't the baby be like gotcha and, and then the like, reason well, that i don't want anybody knowing my birth name is because it doesn't represent me at all, and I don't want you thinking it in the back of your head. When you're talking to me, I want you to know of me as just Ren or Renly is my full name. Um, like, that name doesn't represent me, and I don't want it to even be in your subconscious when you're talking to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that we did bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> Got more heated about yeah, that than I thought I was going <laughs> to. Um, 
So normally I ask people as individuals to give stories of when they are gendered correctly or incorrectly mm -hmm. and how that made them feel. Mm -hmm. I want for both of you to maybe give an example of one or the other, I guess, of a time when someone gendered you both, like as a couple. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense again, but uh, how, that, how that made you feel or the opposite. You said that it's, that it's often mm -hmm. not assumed Right. So mm -hmm. I talk about that. Have we ever had an experience with people who were like, uh, we get, no, before I started my medical transition, we got ladies all the time. <sighs> but I think that when I started my medical transition and I looked a little bit more like androgynous, um, people, I think that there were a few instances where people just called us them or like those people over there because, Oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We do have some, yeah, yeah. because we looked really ambiguous together especially mm -hmm. um yeah we've gotten folks now instead yeah. of you know yeah there are a few times because i don't know i i don't think that we like present our relationship as like a normal heterosexual couple right? <laughs> <laughs> so i think that we just whatever look yeah you know, whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we're often wearing queer clothing yeah I, okay i don't know i guess we don't look like a just a generic couple mm -hmm. So, um, no, there have, there was like one, one time times. we were in a restaurant and, you know, she was like, Hey folks and whatever, she, you know, mm -hmm. and was, even if that was intentional or not, probably even if that was intentional or not intentional, it's good to yeah. feel. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. she would walk away and I was like, Ren, she called us folks. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. and it was like a, it yeah. was nice to basically anytime that we are ladies. not gendered yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Right. And again, I just want to stop. Like people listening could by this point just be listening. Like, mm -hmm. and I want people to really take that in. What that, I mean, I can see it in the way that you're talking about it and mm -hmm. in your face, what that meant to someone. Mm -hmm. It's just using the word folks mm -hmm. when someone comes into a restaurant. And that's exactly that's what people uh, should, should take the time to take in and feel is like how simple words, mm -hmm. how, how using um, words. How simple that is, and how much of a difference that can make yeah. to people. Yeah. There Inclusive are so terms. many. There are so many non-gendered terms that we use all the time, and we just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. When I was first trying to explain my uh, my preference of they/them pronouns, when I was using those more frequently, I would tell people. Um, people would ask me often, like, "But that's plural. I don't get it." Yeah. And I would say, "But you use it singularly very often. If someone has left their phone on the train, you would say." Oh my goodness, someone mm -hmm. left their phone on the train. How am I going to get it to them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hope they call it. I so hope they call I it. I can get it to them. Yeah. yeah. So you use the that pronoun singularly quite All often. The time. And that's the same with other terms like yeah. folks, um, like friends. I try to stop saying hey guys. That's the thing I, I say a lot. I try to stop saying guys too, yeah. And instead you can say like Hey y'all! I say y'all all the time. Yeah, now I sound like I'm from the I south, but very but. southern, very quickly. Well, it's inclusive. It so. is very inclusive. South <laughs> Southern Connecticut. Yes. <laughs> yeah, where we all say y'all. <laughs> yeah. So there are so many inclusive terms um, that it is important. It is very important to it you. It does make us feel. You know, we know we notice it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just I don't know. I feel like this applies to everybody. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I. I feel uncomfortable about gendering people all the time, no matter what their gender is. Because why do we have to label people with their gender all the time? Like, hey, ladies, why is it important to include? Right. Um, we did just have an experience, and 
no no offense to my family. I love my family. They're really, really great. But we just went to a party and got, hey, ladies. Mm-hmm. As soon as we walked in. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, they haven't seen Ren since, you know, he's been on tea for a while and since there have been changes. Um, so, like, I see why that's still ingrained and how they haven't made that switch and haven't made a conscious effort of, of saying, you know, mm-hmm. of using inclusive language. But, like... But that's I'm like, at one this of those, point, I'm like, how do you use ladies for that's Ren? That's just one of those moments that makes me think, like, why is it necessary? What yeah. makes people use gender terminology? Yeah. Um, I, we were talking about this, that my cousin and I were talking a little bit about like, this today, too. And uh, my, my response to it is that there has to be some type of fear. There has mm-hmm. to be fear of something being taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For that to for that to exist to exist, and at the same time, people are human. People make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, I may have even have used during this interview is to say "you guys," mm-hmm. but Maybe. I I mean I still say it all the time. Yeah. And I, really I mean don't I'm need comfortable to. with with being yeah yeah for the record comfortable. With yes, that. I'm comfortable with guys. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine with me. But there are people who are like, don't call me guys a guy. Don't call me. Don't group me with guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so the I've, that's the yeah. one thing that I feel like I have not taken out. Or that I don't realize that I uh, mm-hmm. that I've said yeah. when I say it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think something important to note is that you know the the reason it's important to you to start trying to use inclusive language and and making sure you're not gen you know not using gender language is because you never know who you might be misgendering. You mm-hmm. never know who you might be making uncomfortable because unless they sit, come up and say like don't use this for me, you wouldn't know. But if once you use inclusive language, you're already, you know, taking that pressure off of somebody yeah. who, who might not even come, come up to you and correct you. Yeah, all it's doing is taking pressure off somebody. It's hurting nobody to say folks instead mm-hmm. of guys. Yeah. yeah, it's that idea of responsibility. Exactly. That we, I guess we're doing full circle here. Full circle. <laughs> it's it, it's not really that, responsibility to be nice. Moment. No, yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I always say it's, it's hard work to be a good person. Mm-hmm. It is. And like, you know, when people say, oh, you would just expect me to like change my language for you. And it's like, I mean, yes. it would be nice of you. And I don't think that being nice would kill you. <laughs> it doesn't cost It's anything. very easy yeah. to, to stick with what you're comfortable with. And, and yeah, it's very easy to stick with what you're comfortable with and continue hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. If But if you care and you, you want to be inclusive and a nice person mm-hmm. it doesn't that, it won't kill you <laughs> that's been my response to people is if you are choosing to not educate yourself and change your viewpoint on this then you're deciding to be disrespectful exactly. you're deciding to not respect someone that's a really good point. and that that again is a human characteristic to to fear having to go into like a place of uncomfortableness mm-hmm. um but this plus that equals this and no matter which way you look at it, like to respect someone, you have to respect them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I always give people a place to promote anything. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, underscore Renly underscore. That's really where I post everything about my transition. I also, if you go there, I also have a link to my pottery page. Um, I do a lot of pottery. So that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. I don't have a ton to promote. I'm not a, yeah. I'm not that a famous actor. That makes you a potter or potterer? I'm a potter. Okay. I'm potterer. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. So I am going to be interviewed for the first feature-length documentary 
called Disclosure, and um, it's being produced by Laverne Cox and Sam Fetter, and I cannot wait to be in that. I don't know when it's coming out, but just keep your eye out for it because it's going to be awesome. Okay, to, to end, what advice would you have for parents that have trans or questioning youth? Uh, personally, I think there's just so much information out there right now. Uh, like I said, a lot of people have been reaching out to Ellie. It doesn't hurt to reach out to someone who has been offering themselves up to give advice and stuff. Um, just meeting another trans person does like a world of a difference. Mm -hmm. I think it's especially hard for parents because parents are always uh, envisioning the best for their kids. They want their kids to have the easiest, most successful life that they can, and being trans isn't viewed as easy. So I understand how it feels complicated and tough, but um, I would say just educate yourself so that if your child comes to you, you can have educated discussions rather Mm -hmm. than you don't want to make your kid be the educator. Yeah, you, you want, want to, to be go able with to... informed thoughts. Yeah, you want to be able to have discussions. Um, yeah, Yeah, I think that um, it's very easy to be frightened by the idea that your child is trans, whether that means you, whether you're scared of them possibly getting surgery in the future or, you know, you're, you're worried for their future as a trans person because it's a dangerous world out there for trans people. All of that, I mean... I just think step back, take a breath, and trust your child because they know who they are and just do enough research on things that they possibly might bring up. And and if they want to get surgery someday, don't, you know, make sure that you are coming from a supportive place and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to frighten your kid from doing anything that might make them feel good. What advice would you have for trans or questioning youth um, who might be having a hard time with their their thoughts or transitions? Hmm. There's no rush. It's And there's no answer. There's no rush and yeah, I mean, there might be an answer, but there might not be and that's also not a bad thing. It's if you can't for figure everybody. it out, it's going to be fine like you might figure out one day, you might find that there's validity in questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, just when when you're questioning, you're learning about yourself. You're you're realizing that there's more to you than, than what you have been taught. And I think that that is really valid and beautiful. I think we're both still questioning all the time. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> some people feel like... Um, they've hit a point in their transition and they're just done transitioning and they're just living their life for me personally. And I think I can speak for you too. It always feels like a transition. Mm -hmm. I'm always learning how I want the world to perceive me, how I want to perceive myself and I'm open to that changing in the future. So I consider myself always questioning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say to anyone listening? Um, thanks for listening. And, um, (laughs) I guess I just want people to remember that there's that trans people are multifaceted. There's not just one idea of a trans person. There's not just one idea of a non-binary person. Like just remember there are disabled trans people. There are disabled non-binary people. There are non-binary people with autism. There are all kinds of non-binary people there are non-binary and trans um, doctors there are non-binary and trans lawyers baristas um, librarians i don't know (laughs) literally everything yeah i know we're everywhere (laughs) we're everywhere but 
yeah, we're just, we're living life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Ellie and Ren, thank you so much for taking the time thank to you. speak with me and being part of the project. Of course. Thank you so great. much. So for everyone listening, remember that this project is created with the purpose of educating and informing, and that's why sharing it is so important. The only way the project can continue to grow and inform is if people like you share each interview after you listen to it. Use the website theythemproject.org and share the links that are provided on the homepage and each person's interview profile. Share through social media, letting people know what you learned in a specific interview and why they should listen as well.